and welcome to Business Acceleration Playbook. In this episode, we will be discussing how to identify and manage risks associated with scaling your business. As you grow your business, you will certainly encounter risks that could impact your success, such as financial, operational, legal, and reputational risks. But let us kind of dive into this topic a little bit and first talk about, you know, how do we understand what we're talking about, you know, risks, what are our risks? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is to be able to put them in the categories. And when you start to identify, uh, I said this earlier uh, in regards to a couple of other components, but there's only three things that really break in our business. And that's the capacity, the relationship and your process, which is your sales and marketing, that kind of stuff. And in those three, if you start to break things down and you kind of put them in categories, you can start to identify what could potentially go wrong as you're scaling up your business. Right. So when you're looking at that. If it's a competitive analysis, that's obviously competition. If it's financial, that would be more so in the um, capacity range of things. But just being able to break them down, maybe it's staffing. You have to have more staffing. So just the, the very, very first thing with the potential of the risk is what's going to be needed to be able to go from point A to point B. Absolutely. Well, and I think whenever you're thinking about scaling your business, I don't think some of those things tend to jump out to us. We we Right. In my experience, it's been that myself included, um, you do think about usually a risk, whatever our own kind of our own uh, mind gravitates to is that being the potential risk. But we typically don't look at all the potential risks and kind of prepare for those um, unless we have somebody like a coach or a consultant kind of helping us kind of guide us through that. Um, but I do think it's you know important to kind of think about um, all of these aspects, even if it happens to be a lower risk for whatever your, you know, scale up strategy is, it's still, you know, worth identifying, you know, what are, you know, the pros and cons on even deciding to scale up related to that, you know, what are some things that could go wrong and how would you need to adjust and or pivot, you know, to be able to mitigate that, you know, I think those are important things to kind of sit with and ask yourself. Well, let's categorize it because I think there's a couple of different people that are going to be listening. Uh, first of all, we have those that are the visionaries where they're looking at it and they're like a single owner, kind of an operator situation. And when they look at, especially a visionary, when they look at how to be able to scale their immediate risk of what it is, is, okay, I need to bring more product in or I have to do more of my service to be able to sell more. And typically a visionary just looks at that that function. Uh, let me bring up this because this is a great reference. If you go back and you read Rocket Fuel, you'll kind of understand that there's two different individuals in that. And just use it as kind of uh, the ability to look at things from different perspectives. So in Rocket Fuel, you have visionaries and implementers. Those are the two concepts that they present. When we're dealing with risk, the reason why I bring that up is visionaries will look at what the risk is based in one perspective, whereas an implementer will actually look at what is the processes that we need place? Do we need more people? And so you have two different perspectives to be able to see that there's different risks that could be involved, just like what you're saying. Um, so, so that's one category is that that owner, visionary implementer. Secondary is if you actually have, whether it's a board of directors, um, let's say it's a leadership team, whatever you call that, where maybe there's three or four individuals that are involved in making decisions, you always want to get input from those, each of those individuals, because they're going to have different perspectives on what risk is going to happen. <laughs> the biggest challenge that I see in this, you know, especially as we understand and define what risk and what's significant and all those things, the biggest 
challenge that I see is that as we step into something, if you're the CEO, the leader, the owner, you tend to disregard the importance of what somebody else is assessing the risk of how you're going to scale. And it's unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, we're very optimistic when we own our business and like, there's no way this can fail. There's no risk involved. And so we kind of get down this track of it's, it's my way or the highway. No, I think that's, I, I think that's on point. And, you know, I think that, you know, there are, you know, four um, high level categories of risks. And I think, you know, briefly mentioning those is operational, financial, the market, and then any legal. And I think for a lot of people, and we mentioned this in several episodes, you know, if you're not an attorney, or you're not an accountant, two of those may be a little hard for you to you know, uh, to look yeah. at the complete risks on. And that's why it's important to have a professional come in and, you know, an attorney and um, an accountant. Those are two people that I always have <laughs> because right. I'm an attorney and I am not a, an accountant. So, um, you know, and then, you know, looking at even the other types of risks, operational and the market, you know, that's where I have liked to use um, consultants myself and coaches to be able to kind of help me you know, come at it with another perspective, which I actually, it's funny because I had this conversation with somebody yesterday just about, you know, using coaches and using consultants myself. And people are like, well, don't you consult and don't you coach? Well, I do. And they're and the importance of an outside perspective because, you know, and you and I have talked to this about this at great length, but, you know, it's important to think about, you know, all of those aspects and yes, kind of pour out from your own perspective, what you think those risks are, jot it out on paper, but then it is super important to kind of get an outside perspective, whether that maybe you do have a board, like Tim was mentioning, and you start with the board and kind of go from there. But I do see, and I've, I've done this in the past, I do see issues whenever, you know, if you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, a one man show, one woman show, yeah. and you're trying to look at all those risks from your one perspective, that's typically where you end up in a lot of problems. Yeah, you can only see it that. That's why, and, and this is where it comes down to the importance of being proactive in understanding, defining, and really analyzing what those risks. So it being, we call it proactive risk management for a reason, mm -hmm. because you want to look at different areas. Um, and let me throw a caution out there because I've seen this happen as well. On the flip side of this, I mean, we want to have a healthy understanding of what risks are involved. On the flip side of that, there are times when people go into this analytical type mode where they never take risk because they don't understand. There's always going to be some unknown. Absolutely. It's always going to happen. And so if we just stay in this element of fear or perfectionism, we're never going to take the risk and we're never going to grow. And in fact, it's going to stagnate and most likely it's going to implode at some point in time. So you have to have this healthy balance between analyzing and understanding the risk that's involved in making smart decisions versus this perfectionistic type fear. Let me put it this way, because I've heard this illustration several times when it comes to scaling a business. It's like, entrepreneurs need to just jump off the cliff and then build the plane on the way down. And I, I in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the way most do. However, if you don't have a plan on how to build the plane or you don't have the equipment to build the plane, you can go ahead and jump off the cliff and you're not going to be able to build that plane on the way down. So there's this element and this balance between having some sort of plan and understanding as well as jumping off the cliff before it's completely <laughs> flushed out before Absolutely. you have the plane built. Right. And there's this, you gotta, you gotta balance those two. 
Well, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that is an important, you know, thing for people to think about who are listening to this right now, because, you know, a lot of times we tend to naturally gravitate toward one side or the other. We're either, right. you know, naturally just the jumpers, right? We're just like, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? That YOLO mentality, right? Yeah. Or we're on the other side where we overanalyze every single thing and it paralyzes us. And, you know, while there's benefits to both sides of that, really, you need to figure out how to kind of be in the middle, take a little bit from over here and a little bit from over there. And, you know, it's, I am definitely the jumper. So I've had to kind of take, after falling on my face, you know, multiple times because I didn't have the plans. I didn't have any tools. I figured that out halfway down. Like, oh, I should have probably um, up there grabbed that and I didn't have it, right? You didn't have that so, tool. <laughs> exactly. So I do think that it's important when you're thinking about, you know, scaling your business specifically, like where do I want to go? What tools do I need to get there? What are some potential risks in these areas? And yeah. how can I look at these risks and not make it paralyze me, but make some type of contingency plan for like, you know, what would happen if like what, you know, that kind of that if then um, for, for people who have, you know, set up if then, you know, uh, protocols, you know, just with their own marketing or, you know, whatever, um, you kind of know that concept. Like if this happens, then I'm going to do this thing. If you kind of have a bullet point high level plan, not that things still won't happen, but yep. you're not going to be paralyzed and back in that reassessment mode, which costs you lots of time and usually dollars. Yeah. So one is the understanding and identifying what that risk is. The second is now how do we mitigate or reduce the amount of risk and how do we respond to that risk that we know is going to happen? So identify and now we want to have some kind of a strategy that's going to mitigate or lower the impact of what that's going to happen. Uh, and in regards to that, I think the best thing to do is just to sit down and say, OK, if it's financial, how do I lower the risk of the financial investment. And maybe it's uh, through a barter system, uh, delayed payments. Maybe it's through a, a partnership. Maybe there's a lot of different ways to be able to look at that. So once it's categorized, operational, how do maybe I find temporary help to be able to see about doing this rather than making a full-time commitment for an employee that's going to go and then that didn't work. And now I have to reassign the employee. You have to think, and that's where, again, one, categorize it like we just said. And then two is, okay, what is going to be my, my strategy to mitigate some of that or actually reduce, or, I mean, just think about it this way. One, can I avoid it? In other words, can I just completely avoid that risk? Two, can I just, the mitigation part of it is like reducing. Three is, can I transfer the risk to somebody else where, you know, it could be a forgivable loan. It could be something, there's a lot of ways, or frankly, do I have to accept that risk and just say, this is what's going to be? Absolutely. Well, and I think that also when you're when you're doing this, always have in the back of your mind kind of a plan B. Um, I have been in some points like on plan Z by the time I figure out, oh, OK, this is really how I need to do it. And, you know, you can you can call it whatever you want, but it's basically just kind of like tweaking your plan to say, OK, well, this is my goal. This is what I'm, I'm doing. And then maybe it's not even a risk that sets it off. Maybe it's because you see another opportunity. And we talked about that in a few episodes back. But whatever the case may be, you know, you've made that conscious decision to kind of pivot and adjust, you know, the, the path that you're on. You know, I think it's important to kind of have those discussions ahead of time. So that way, if yeah. something happens again, you're not, yeah, yeah, you're not dead in the water. You're not having to start from scratch. You're able to just kind of seamlessly go, okay, well there, this is, this is getting put to the side, the back burner for now until we figure out what to do. Let's implement plan B 
or in my yeah. case, plan Z. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's part of the creativity of being able to say, okay, if this goes this way, here's a couple of options that are available. If it goes this way, here's the options that are available. If things go completely sideways, then this these are my options to be able to get out of the risk component. And again, we're talking about either A, avoiding it, um, transferring it, or then just accepting and say, look, I just got to I just got to suck it up in this situation. Well, and I think a lot of times too, um, that's again, where, you know, having somebody outside of your intimate exactly. circle is super important. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes that can be a board. It depends on, honestly, for me, it depends on how close are you with your board? Are you meeting with them like daily? Are they in it every single decision? Cause then they're not as outside of a perspective as you really need. Now, if it's just like a, you know, a quarterly meeting and that's when they are, you know, and you know, they may, it may suffice. You just have to look at your own. Well, you have to assess what that board's role or responsibility yep. is. And sometimes, frankly, a board's role and responsibility is just because they want that title. And Absolutely. they have no yeah. ability to be able to give some good, solid input. Um, if you're going to classify a board, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because that's a whole nother organizational conversation. But if your board is actively involved in helping you make decisions, absolutely get the input from the board. If it's a board just for namesake, then you might be wiser just to go ahead and make the decisions in a different direction. So just assess that part of it. And, you know, another um, thing that you need to think about when you're assessing risk is just like the market and any, you know, competition and competitive risks that are out there. That's, the, that's part of the four, right? So you've absolutely. got financial, we've got operation, we got marketing and we got legal. Yes. And well, and I wanted to mention that again, though, because, you know, that's typically where I see, um, easier pivots and easier adjustments is in that area because we talked about this i can't remember which episode it was but it was a couple episodes back in this series just about you know uh, in different growth opportunities and one of those being maybe you have the same exact product and you're marketing it to you know ideal target a and it's just not hitting right you're not meeting your target goals it's not selling you may be able to take that same plan and that same product rebrand it and reach another ideal target and be able to completely knock it out of the park. So sometimes you have to kind of take that risk to put it out there with maybe the the target you think this is meant for and really it ends up going in a different direction. So I wanted to mention that kind of on its own because you know those are typically easier tweaks than some of these other things that we mentioned. Uh, well, and some of that comes in the R&D. And I, I, how many times we talked about this previously about the soft serve ice cream situation, yeah. um, the 3M, the sticky note situation, uh, all of these mistakes that as they were attempting to develop a new product, uh, take it to market, somebody discovered a whole new way of doing something and creating a whole new product. And so, again, the adapting of what is going on and the ability to be able to assess what the risk is. Sometimes it turns out way better because you were able to adapt. Um, do you want to go through a couple of just real quick things with the financial, the operation, marketing, and then the legal things to keep an eye out for? Yeah, I think it would be a good idea to kind of mention those. That way, you know, somebody is out there listening right now. Again, the disclaimer, <laughs> we're not legal <laughs> counselors. We're not lawyers. Nope. We're not accountants. We're just nope. telling, talking as a business owner. <laughs> and these are these are definitely, they, those are areas that I, I always recommend you reach out. And, yeah. you know, it's every business owner should at least have an attorney that they can call to ask a question. They have an attorney that they can send, you know, legal documents to, to look over. And then if you're a business owner right now, you don't have one, I strongly encourage you to start networking and figure out that person for you because it's critical. 
key. It's absolutely key. And that's part of building. And again, you can use whatever title you want under that, whether that's building out your leadership team, your board, your uh, team of recommenders or what have uh, referral network. Like, I don't care what you call it. The point is you have some trusted advisors that are going to be able to speak into you or to talk about specific areas. Um, the financial thing, I, I mean, when you're looking at financials, you, there's such a wide range of one, knowing your own books and what money you have available in the company that you can put at risk versus uh, what you what you have to have as far as cash flow op, operation wise. Um, a great example is this. Uh, we actually had the opportunity in our Lego business to be able to purchase a $20,000 Lego lot. That would have taken all of our cash reserves. If we would have spent the $20,000 on that Lego lot, that means we wouldn't have the money to be able to pay for gas to be able to get to the next show. So while we have tons and tons of product, the risk was if we spent 20 grand on that moment, we wouldn't have enough money to get to the next show, which then stops that cash flow for us. So we had to pass on a $20,000 opportunity. Now, that's the small business idea concept. When you get into corporates, you're talking 50, 100,000. Maybe you're in a category of $1,000 is a lot of risk or it takes up all your cash flow. In your situation, you have to understand, first of all, what are your finances looking like? And that's where an accountant can come into play. Um, some of the other things that are available, and remember, we talked about the four different things where you can transfer risk, you can avert, you can avoid. Some of the other things that are there are possibly the ability to be able to get some funding options, and whether that's through grants or loans, there's a whole whole ton of different ways to be able to look at that. Um, but then the last part of that, understanding that risk, is to be a to, to be able to actually categorize and follow that through some type of checklist, uh, monitoring, some type of way to be able to go down that road. Well, and I think, you know, that that's, goes with something that we've talked about, again, in uh, several episodes that, you know, whatever the risk cap out is for you, it's for you. It can be $20,000. Yep. Like you said, it could be $2,000. It could be $20. It could be $20 million. Yep. The, the key is you don't risk what you can't afford to lose. And yeah. I think that that's my own rule within myself. I look at opportunities and then I ask myself, okay, well, what can I afford to lose on this? And I, and I know for some people that can sound like a pessimistic way of looking at it. But for me, again, I am naturally the jumper. I have to ask myself that because if not, I can get myself in a pickle. So it's smart to say, okay, well, here's my goal with this. Here's my plan with this. This is a great opportunity. I can afford to lose this much money, this much time, you know, you have to look at it in such a way that you're equating what you can afford to lose if it all goes awry, because sometimes it does. And sometimes you'll blow it out of the park and be the best, you know, $20, 20,000, whatever that you ever spent. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, it's mainly asking yourself those questions and then talking to, you know, your own, you know, mastermind team that you've built. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is the operation. Uh, that's part of the risk assessment. I find this one in the capacity realm most often. Um, and it shows up in a couple of different ways. Do you have the space to be able to produce what it is that you're producing? Do you have the people to be able to produce or service what you're doing? And then one that most people miss is supply. Uh, when we were building out Sunfrog and doing all of the t-shirts, we had, um, it's a company called LAT. And we were doing strictly all of our supply t-shirt business with LAT. And we were planning, forecasting. Again, that's part of the risk assessment. What is your forecast going to look like? And that's part of financial. You kind of weave all of this stuff through. And in the conversations that I have with the LAT t-shirt executives, we were predicting we were going to need, I don't know, I'll just put throw a number. Let's say 10,000 shirts in a month. 
they called me back and I actually remember this phone call. I was sitting on a park bench. Actually, I was in Bend, Oregon. And they said, we are not going to be able to supply the amount of shirts that you need for this upcoming fourth quarter season. And at that moment, I knew we had a lot of operational risk because it was like, holy crap, what are we going to do? Because we've got to go find some stuff. So having backups and having a relationship with more than one supplier, especially as you're scaling, you better check with your supplier to make sure that they can scale with you because that's going to have a direct impact on operational risk along with everything else. I, for some people, it's chemicals for cleaning. I mean, like I've watched where all of a sudden uh, bleach became very scarce. Uh, builders, uh, building supplies, sometimes you, hurricanes cause scarcity in supply and lumber. And so you have to look at, okay, in the operational, do I have enough supply, supplies to be able to keep going with where we're going? Well, and that also goes to affect the financial. You mentioned just about mm -hmm. scarcity that typically drives the pricing up and yep. can double, sometimes triple, you know, your your budget. And I know, um, you know, a lot of us experience that even with all the shutdowns from, you know, COVID and all that. And even in industries where there hadn't really been much scarcity, all of a sudden we were seeing scarcity and a lot of businesses who had never really had to deal with the fact that they had kind of a break in their operational methods and processes, all of a sudden we're like, oh crap, you know, <laughs> we've never figured yep. out something else, you know, that we could use because um, it was never you know, quote unquote, big risk. And so, you know, that's, that's another thing I've, I see now, even businesses that never thought about those things. Now that has started becoming a regular topic exactly. in planning, yeah. which is terrible that they had to go through that. But it also kind of woke a lot of even small business owners up. Um, another thing was, you know, during that time, a lot of small businesses, especially in my area, I'm in a very rural area, still did business the old-fashioned way they had no digital footprint at all and then all of a sudden everything's moved digital and i'm getting panic calls you know like help <laughs> exactly. me get online help me get online you know and so you know it's one of those things and now even some of those people they've kept their online presence because they see the value in it and yep. it's too big of a risk for them not to have some type of an online presence now yeah. So the last one, we talked about marketing. We talked about operation. We talked about financial. The last one is the legal. And I, I personally believe that there are two components on that. One is the actual contractual obligations, things that you put together, agreements, which is pretty much between you and the lawyer and whoever it is that you're making the agreement, another business typically. And then the second, second component that is uh, whether you classify it as regulatory which is a good one, but it also can be translated as what are the new laws that are being passed that make your business either legal or illegal? Um, a great example of this is in the pressure washing industry. There are some locations that have outlawed certain chemicals to be able to be used for cleaning purposes. And so you have to pay attention, whether it's local laws or federal laws or whatever else is going on, you got to pay attention. If there is a change in your district, city, county, state, federal, you have to be aware of what are the laws that are being passed by legislation that are going to have an impact on your business. Absolutely. And I know that there was an issue here in Ohio where I'm at um, a while back that you, they didn't used to require any type of um, licensure for massage therapists. And now Ohio does. Ohio, mm -hmm. you cannot be a practicing massage therapist unless you go and get um 
certified by the board, by the medical board. So you deal with the medical board even for a massage now, which yeah. was not a thing before that. Um, yeah. And so that was a huge thing that even semi-recently, um, I found out that there was people that still did not know that were still practicing. And I knew that because they called me to do a website for them. And I'm like, mm, you do not want me to do this. You need to take care of this. <laughs> this needs to be taken care of. The laws are yeah. different now. So, I mean, it's again, it is. I agree with you. I think those two categories pretty much captures, you know, almost everything. And, you know, it's a good idea that if you're you know, speaking with an attorney that you figure out, like, what type of law do they practice? Because there is some times that they'll only do like maybe they're niche down to the point they only do this one thing. Um, I do have an attorney that's willing to do, you know, several things that I need, which works best for me because I don't want to deal with five different people. <laughs> right. But I also have, you know, people that I know that own businesses and they prefer to have separate attorneys for each one. So it's, it's yeah. again, that's kind of a personal preference as long as you have somebody that is kind of looking out for you in that area and taking care of your needs there. 100%, 100%. So as you look at all of this thing, the only other component that we really have to categorize is how does this impact your culture? How does it internally in your business, uh, what kind of ideas or concepts do you need to portray so that not just your leadership team understand the risk of what is going on and how we're scaling, but also the employees understand how to be able to bring something up. So whether it's a risk awareness that they can see and bring something up to the management and then thus being able to bring it up to the leadership component, just understanding in your culture itself that, hey, we are a company that is willing to take risk to grow. We're going to try new things out. And <clears throat> excuse me, if you've got a great idea, we want you to talk about it. We want to, we want to hear how this is being implemented. Um, the biggest thing that I can say on this component is to have time to listen to the people that are on the ground that have that, that are like the end user kind of a thing of your company, not the customers. When I say end user, I mean like those that are checking people out at the cash register or those that are actually doing the work or uh, feeling the customer service calls that are coming in. Those are the individuals that are going to be able to see how your new product, your new service, how that is being received by the customers and by those that are part of your tribe. Or even your new process, because, you know, I have seen it where uh, they get a new, we'll say POS system, and they have not looked at like, okay, does the team even like this? Is it going to work with the yeah. team? Is it going to work with how the customers are utilizing things? Um, you know, I know a client that I've had in the past that, you know, they owned a couple of restaurants, but they didn't work in the restaurants every day, got this new system because it was a great system, a great deal. And it did not meet what the people liked. It did not meet how the customers interacted with things, you know, so it's important to kind of think about like whether it's a product that you're creating or a service you're creating that you're, you know, getting ready to launch out, or it's even a change in your internal processes that you're actually figuring out, is this actually going to work for the team? Is it going to work with how we do business? Because I think, you know, those are also some risks that can happen and that uh, where there can be some breakdown and that would be a huge risk. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it comes down to three things when you're looking at your employees. And again, this is part of the culture. One is communication. Do you have clear communication channels that are open from the front lines all the way up to the, the C-suite, the wh whatever level that you're at? Do you have open lines of communication all across? Two is 
the training aspect or teaching the employees how to be able to understand, identify, and then respond to risk. And then three, which is what often is missed, is empowering or giving ownership to those employees that are on the front lines to be able to say, look, this is not working correctly. I am going to do it in a completely different manner. Well, and I think that, you know, just kind of throwing out some takeaways here, you know, the risk identification is is critical. You have to assess risk no matter what for any type of successful business scaling. And I have seen lots of companies try to kind of dive into this new whatever without taking that moment to assess potential risks. And it can end up being, you know, the worst decision that you've ever made. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's important to not only kind of have a, a plan for how do we mitigate you know, um, but also to have some response strategies for, you know, minimizing the, the big impact, right, on the company, on, you know, your employees, on your customers. So, you know, I think that, you know, being able to make this plan, it doesn't have to be this huge grand plan, but you have to have one. You know, you have to have one. I'm more of a bullet point person, and Tim, I know you are too. Um, it, you know, it doesn't have to be this like 10 page, you know, um, you know, process, but you do have to sit and do it and do it in such a way that, you know, works for you and within the legal, you know, and compliance restraints and within your financial restraints. I think those are some important takeaways. And I know, Tim, you probably have some things that you want to throw in there. No, actually, that, that sums it up perfectly. I mean, again, you just have to think of your employees. I mean, so that's the only other uh, assumption or takeaway that just make sure you're thinking at it from the ground level all the way up through into legal parts. Absolutely. Communication is key. I think that's the biggest thing. Like you can't have any type of risk assessment if you're not properly communicating. So, all right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Business Acceleration Playbook. And we've explored some critical topics today about identifying and managing risk when you're scaling your business. And we hope that you find this discussion insightful and valuable as you navigate this exciting journey of growth and expansion. And thank you for tuning in. Until next time. 